Like, I mean, that's, that is one of the challenges within the organization, the fun part of the job as well, right? Because we are very diverse. Uh, we have a, a more of a global, regional structure on one side and then a solution line structure on the other. And, and they all have to intersect in terms of to be able to deliver the right solutioning for our clients. So it really comes down to having the right contacts within the organization, having a governance and a management framework that allows us to connect with people we within even though I'm predominantly responsible for infrastructure, we run QBRs for with our internal stakeholders. We do it at a regional level, and we do and we get a regional view. And we similarly, I have a close connection with our CIO community. As a technology leadership team, it's a combination of myself and the CIO is that really sort of define what what's going to happen next. And to a certain extent, I'm serving a lot of my clients are internal. Well, Aon is a professional services firm that sells a wide range of financial risk mitigation products, including insurance, pension administration, and health insurance plans. Now, Aon has approximately 50,000 employees in 120 different countries. And today, I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Rajiv Khanna, the CTO for the organization. Now, this is a fascinating conversation about the complex dynamics of both setting and maintaining a technology direction and vision for a company of this size and scope, but also maintaining the current tech and the relationships with the teams that rely on it. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. Yeah, that, look, I mean, Aon is a large global organization. We serve lots of clients across risk, retirement, and health. And we are 50,000 colleagues globally uh, in 120 countries. And, and uh, a very large footprint, and, and we are a market leader in this in this, this space. It's incredible. Uh, I would imagine the challenges. Um, there are aspects that are similar, but the scale that you you guys get to help create technology solutions for uh, fifty thousand employees that's that's different than your average company has to deal with. Yeah, look, it, it, it's. I, I would say that the challenges that we have are just on a larger scale. I, I, I imagine they're not that different from others uh, in, in the, uh, across multiple different industries. The, because of the diversity of our business and the geographies that we operate in, there are a lot of nuances that we have to deal with. And if you really think about enabling our 50,000 people to do what they need to do well every day, giving them the right tools, right products, right capabilities, so they can serve our clients effectively. And then we are obviously working in a very regulated industry as well. So, so you have nuances that come along from different geographies, different uh, regulatory bodies. And then, be, be, and, and, and then to that extent, we serve a very diverse set of clients as well. So they all have unique needs. Uh, so the, 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 the technology that we carry is not that straightforward, but it is a makes my job interesting and fun. Uh, because I get to do what I uh, I need to do to try to contribute to that mission. 
Well, you know, and you said in a previous conversation that we had had that, uh, you know, now that you're your CTO and have had this multi 20 odd year career in IT, it, it wasn't what you set out to do. It wasn't what you went to school for necessarily. No, look, I, I, I'm an electrical engineer by uh, degree. I, I thought I was going to be working in power plants uh, in my career. Uh, and then uh, I happened to have taken some computer science courses along the way. And that's really what got me my first uh, opportunity in, in, in the IT field. And then the rest is history. 28 years later, I'm still enjoying what I do. And it's been actually a lot more fun. And I think it's probably, I'm pretty sure it's more fun now uh, doing what I do versus working in a power plant. And it's been a great journey along the way uh, across various different industries. So I've had the pleasure of working in banking, uh, working for a, a e-commerce organization, working for various different services organization and now and working in this sort of the risk retirement management business and professional services, right? So it's, it's been a quite the journey and it's been quite enjoyable along the way. Hey, what was your, what was your first job in IT and who was it with? So my first job was uh, actually working for Ingersoll Rand. Uh, if you don't know Ingersoll Rand, a, a heavy equipment manufacturing firm, uh, I was uh, hired as a Unix system admin and a DBA uh, on a project. Uh, and frankly, I didn't know anything about either one of those two things. And I, and, and I was lucky to actually land a job in that field. So I learned quite a bit while I was uh, in the job. And, and thanks to Ingersoll Rand, they actually got me some quite a bit of training along the way. And uh, uh, so my early part of my career was a, a DBA, a Oracle DBA and a Unix system admin. And I remember sort of building machines with tapes. Um, and uh, I think it took eight or 12 tapes to load an OS onto a risk oh machine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, and that's, those were the tapes that the robots had to go and grab and stick in. It was all automated. No, I, was, I, I was the robot, Jeff. You were the robot. I, I, was, I, was, a, trying to, I was reading too much into your story. <laughs> no, I was the robot that, that had to go in and change tapes. So, so what you know, what uh, Unix system? So, what would what would have that been at that point? I'm trying to think, as far as the system you, so would, you would have been. So, AIX Solaris. Yep. Um, it's, it's Solaris six, I believe, if I remember correctly, from that far back. Oh, we, don't, uh, we don't hear that, a lot that from a, that these days. Well, I, I, I think I, I just get old now, so it's it, 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 I, I was old, old man stories to tell. Well, I've got about the same amount of gray as you've got, so I'm enjoying the story. Um, and so from there off to be a consultant, you know, what was uh, what was that about? Yeah, luckily I, I, I did some uh, bit of consulting work along the way, uh, similar field. Uh, at some point, I had to make a decision in my career uh, to be, do I want to be a DBA? Do I want to be a programmer? Do I want to be a Unix admin, et cetera? And I chose the Unix admin path. And, and so, so I did that for a number of years. Uh, across various different companies, different industries, uh, and, and just sort of building my tool, toolkit along the way across a few few different companies. Well, and then it looks like, and this is an interesting thing too, because as I was looking at your career on on LinkedIn and you know whatever I could read into that, it was you know when in '97 when you moved over to UBS, that's when I start to see director and and such start to show in your uh, in your resume. And I know here at Rackspace. Uh, we've we've got a, a program called the um, uh, the TCT Technology Career Track, and it's for those those 
folks in tech who want to advance into a you know higher job in the company, but don't necessarily want to manage people. I would imagine you go through a thought process at some point. Am I going to become the smartest Unix guy in the world and walk on water as far as the rest of the world is concerned? Or am I going to lead those people? What was that that decision like for you? Yeah, so, so Jeff, I mean, that that I, I know very distinctly when I had to make that decision probably about now 17 years ago or so. Yeah. Uh, sitting in an office with a whiteboard, and writing down pros and cons of a technical path or a managerial path and really sort of putting it down on paper and determine that I love technology, I enjoy what I do, but at the same time, I'm not the individual that's just going to get overly excited. I'm going to work work for 12 hours on technology and then go home and build a Linux box. That's just not me. Uh, Having said that, I enjoy solving business problems with technology. Uh, during this period of time, I had, after my undergraduate, I've been out and got a graduate degree in, in, in uh, business administration. So I got my MBA along the way, and that gave me a little bit of taste of the business and what, what, what that means. So, yeah, I mean, I, I very distinctly remember sitting down and saying, hey, what is the, role, the thing that I enjoy doing? And what are the things that I want to be doing for the rest of my career? And actually having to write that down. And actually, I was given a choice. I mean, it was an explicit choice given to me at the time. And okay. I had to pick, pick a path. Interesting. And uh, obviously, with a little bit, a few years in the rearview mirror, it seems like you're pretty happy with that choice. Yeah, look, I mean, it's been more than a few years, and, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back kind. and do I'm anything different. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, uh, it, no, it's, I wouldn't do anything different, and, and, and I think it was the right choice. Uh, I mean, having said that, obviously, if I hadn't made a mistake, I would imagine I would have had an opportunity or would have potentially made a different decision and, and perhaps taken a step back and go down the technical path. Yeah. But I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed what I've done over the years and, and, and I've stuck with it. Well, and it's, I'm really glad we kind of stumbled into this aspect of the conversation because I talk to, 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 to rackers every day almost as they're kind of struggling through this. And so I think the way that you approached it, very analytical, who knew from a DBA and an electrical engineer, uh, you know, of the pros and cons list. But I think the last thing you said is, you know, it's very wise. And that is, you know, it's not a one-time decision here. It's, you know, it's not cast in stone. And if you make that decision, you realize I miss the tech or I'd rather be with the people, then uh, you can still make that, that course correct. Yeah, no, I, I like, I mean, 100% agree, right? I mean, this is, none of these decisions are forever, right? And, and hopefully you make the right ones and you stick with it. And if you don't, there's always an opportunity to course correct. And it doesn't have to be, all or nothing either, right? I mean, during the process, there may be things that says, hey, I mean, there were points where potentially I would have, would have gone further away from technology uh, from a yeah. hands-on perspective. And I chose not to do that because I didn't want to get that far away from, from, from technical aspects of what I enjoy on, on my job. Right. That's super interesting. So this all happening over at, at UBS uh, AG, you, you know, that was a, what, a 10, 11 year sort of a run over there, it looked like. Um, it was a long, long stint uh, between Payneweber and UBS, about four, 13, 14 years total, uh, because Payneweber got acquired by UBS uh, in 2000. Uh, so it was, it was Payneweber, then it became UBS. So yeah, I mean, altogether about 13, 14 years. What are some of the big takeaways from that time as you, you've gone off, you've, you've gotten your, your masters, you're, you're now leading people? You know, what, what do you look back fondly on and, uh, from that experience? 
Yeah, look, I mean, I talk about this uh, pretty regularly, actually, with a few friends. And there are friends that I made, and that was perhaps my early part of my career. I was younger, got to hang out with a bunch of folks. And work was work is fun, right? I mean, if you have the right people around you, you have the right team, you have the colleagues that you work with and enjoy being around, it can be a lot of fun. I remember there's a period of time working very, very long hours and not not even worrying about it, never never thinking twice because we were having so much fun working together and we, and we got so much done in that period of time. And the the group of us get together and, and talk about it to this day as to what do we have special at the moment. And we since our career, we've tried moved into different roles, different organizations, and we try to re- recreate some of that. And we've been successful to a certain extent, but not necessarily at the same level. Uh, as it had been. So look, I mean, great experience, great learning, uh, uh, great career opportunities along the way, and really sort of having the core group of folks and friends that I still and stay in touch with after all of these years. Isn't that amazing that, that, you know, some of these big experiences and we talk about a, you know, we talk about your careers, if we can put it under a microscope and be analytical about it, but the things that stick out are those emotional ties to those friends and the people that you got to go through the experience with. And what you're remembering is that experience, as opposed to, man, were we ever, man, that team we led or boy, those people are, or whatever it might have been. Yeah, let's, it, it, you're 100 percent right, right? I mean, because the thing is, there are you, you can perhaps say that we 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 have common battle battles under our belt. Yeah, and we have stories to tell that are common in nature. And if you really think about it, at least for me, when I think back, the moments that I remember are sort of hey, when there was a big thing going on, there was a crisis, there was a big project due, there were things that we were working on or such. And it's not, and, and sometimes you don't even remember what the project was, but you remember how you felt at the time or how energetic you were and, and how you enjoyed being around the colleagues that you work with. And, and, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This, this, it's a, uh, I guess obviously a people thing, right? I mean, you connect with people, not necessarily with a particular problem or a technical uh, solution. Well, and with that as a backdrop, do you think that, are, are you conscious in thinking through as you go through or you're leading your team and, and discussing hires that either you or your directs are, are making, how much does that influence, you know, is, is, you know, are you looking for personality in those hires as you think about teams as they need to gel and work well together? Yeah, look, I mean, I've, I've, in my career, I've had the opportunity to work with some great people and and, yeah. and I've learned from everybody, right? And, and anyone when, unfortunately, we've had, some not so great people to work with, but still a learning opportunity, right? And to that extent, as I've sort of gone through different organizations and different environments and had the opportunity to build the team, I'm extremely conscious of finding the right fit for the team, looking for that diversity that we want within the organization, not just from a gender or racial diversity, but also from diversity of thought, people with different backgrounds uh, along the way. And, and, and look, I mean, the, 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 the fitting of individuals within the team is extremely important. And then we, we, look, we, we spend more time at work than anywhere else. Yeah. And, and you have to get along with the people that you work with and they have to get along with each other because that's how you, we get stuff done because there, there's almost never a thing that I do by myself. There's, they're, they're, I'm working with somebody 
we're doing it together. And if we can get along and, and, and it's perfectly okay to disagree as long as we can go out and grab, grab dinner or grab beer afterwards, because we, we've, we've accomplished something and we can argue and debate all day long, but it's not personal, right? And, and as long as everybody's coming from that mindset, it makes it a lot easier. And, and to that extent, I've taken some extensive amount of time to fill out the team because I didn't find the right candidate. In my current role, it took me almost a full year before I had a full complement of the team hired yeah. uh, within the organization or assigned within various different roles to be able to make sure that we had a good chemistry and, and, and work, we worked well together. What are your thoughts about, you know, as we think about the last year and a half in COVID, um, you know, is that going to be one of those things you'll look back as as you rallied your team to work in that environment of, hey, remember we worked together and we made it through the, the, the year and a half or whatever it takes for us to get out of COVID? And, or is it just this big blur um, for the team? No, I, I, look, I mean, at the moment, we're obviously in the middle of it. And, and to that extent, the focus is continues to be the same in terms of making sure that we are delivering the solution that we need to deliver for our colleagues and our clients, Make, making sure our 50,000 colleagues are working effectively. And that's part of our job to ensure that happens. But I'm sure that we will look back and this will be a moment that will be yet another sort of crisis that we dealt with and came out on the other side in a better place and, and, and perhaps closer together because we worked and supported each other even in a, in a difficult situation, both in our personal lives, but as also from a professional perspective. Right. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, once we have a little more of an air gap between between the, the pandemic and whatever our reality is in the future, it'll be interesting to look back and see what do we remember from it? How do we how do we feel from it? And do we gather around for dinner and drinks and talk about it and how we how we pulled through? Yeah, go right ahead. Now, I was just going to say that, look, I mean, I think if you really think about uh, your your sort of life and your and my uh, this time for my myself in my professional life, Things that we talk about are usually a crisis or a moment that we all got came together and solved the problem or delivered a solution or did, or it was a crisis management, whatever you want to call it. We remember those and everything else is a blur. I mean, I I mean, there's probably out of my 13, 14 years at UBS, there are probably three or four things that I remember very clearly. Everything else is, yeah, I worked there for 14 years and I did a bunch of different things. Yeah. The mundane slips away. It's whenever there's the crisis or the excitement that, and when you've got to rally to the challenge, that's, that's when you stick to it. So, so then you move over, you know, we, we fast forward in the story just a little bit and off to Aon you go, were you hired in as CTO or, or rise into that? No, I, I came in as a CTO into the organization. Um, and, and I, um, joined uh, six years ago, a little bit over six years now, actually. Uh, as a CTO, I, I, I've sort of added a few things along the way to the role, but generally speaking, my role is stayed, stayed the about- The curse of success, uh, yes. I sort of picked up a few things along the way, but no, it's, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's a similar role uh, for about six years. Got it. All right, well, let's talk about that role. How do you how do you approach, you know, there's, if you look at what Gartner says, there are four or five different primary types of CTOs and what, what does your job entail and how do you approach it? Yeah, look, I mean, there, there's a few things in, in my job. One being sort of uh, look, all things infrastructure, things that we run for our colleagues, clients, 
uh, as well as uh, our internal systems as well, etc. Right. So that that's one. The other part of this is service management. Hey, running IT as a business uh, and and sort of ensuring that all things related to IT are operating as they expected to. Part of my CTO job is also around the enterprise architecture. So we run a federated model. So trying to bring in and herd the cats and, and bringing yeah. in the right people to sort of set some strategy for for the organization. That that's part of the role that I perform. And, and the other thing that I picked up on the side really is uh, around, I do some work around the data analytics uh, space uh, for the organization. And, and that's, that's sort of another side, side business or side role that I've picked up along the way. But it's, it's yeah. uh, look, I, mean, I, I think on a day-to-day basis, my primary focus is twofold. One is consider a table stake, but an important one to ensure that everything is operating the way it's expected to. Mm-hmm. Ensure that people our 50,000 colleagues across the globe can do what they need to do and, and be their best and have the right tools with, for them to perform the job. And second yeah. part of that is to move us forward, right? It is really around looking further along and seeing what are the things that, that are happening around us in our industry, across the technology landscape, as well as within Aon, that we need to be prepared for. And, 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 and both in terms of getting, getting ready for the future, but perhaps things that are, that, that are necessary today so that we maintain a competitive position within the marketplace. Got it. And as, as we know, um, you know, helping uh, your, the 50,000 employees in your organization or whatever company you, might, you guys might work for, um, you know, there takes a, it takes a great partnership between technology and the line of business. And in an organization like yours, one with so many people, and then, and then two that are so globally diverse as well, you know, how do you stay close to where the business is, where the challenges and opportunities are to know best how to how to innovate for the future? Yeah, and, and look, I mean, that's that is one of the challenges within the organization, and 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 uh, I guess the fun part of the job as well, right? Because we are very diverse. Uh, uh, we have a, a more of a global, regional structure on one side, and then a solution line structure on the other. And, and they all have to intersect in terms of to be able to deliver the right solutioning for our clients. So it really comes down to having the right contacts within the organization, having a governance and a management framework that allows us to connect with people. We within, even though I'm predominantly responsible for infrastructure, we run QBRs for with our internal stakeholders. Hmm. We, okay. we 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 would. We do it at a regional level and we do, and we get a regional view. And we similarly, I have a close connection with our CIO community. And, and, and as a technology leadership team, it's a combination of myself and the CIO is that really sort of def- define what, what's going to happen next. And to a certain extent, I'm serving a lot of my, my clients are internal. They're my, co- they are colleagues. They are CIOs. They are developers. They, and, and so, so we do take a bit of a view of, a partnership on one side, but I want to be a service provider. And, and hence we bring in sort of the viewpoints of, Hey, as if I'm a service provider, but I want them to treat me as a partner. Yeah. That's hard. And, and, That's a balance. It, 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 it's a balance, but at the same time, it does come down to relationships and getting, building those relationships along the way. I mean, our entire business is based on relationship. Uh, and, and, and without relationship, we don't get a lot done. And to that extent, I mean, it, it, technology is no different. Uh, having those relationships with our uh, business leaders, having the relationship with the CIOs, having the, creating a community of our colleagues who can actually be early adopters of new things that we want to deploy, all of those things 
is based on relationships and driving and leveraging those relationships is what we try to do best. I can totally relate. You know, Rackspace as a service provider company, it's a very similar situation where, you know, you guys are our customers, you're publicly customers. And, um, you know, you came to Rackspace looking for a service and okay, well, we will provide that service to you at a, at a price that was fair and great, great value for, for Aon. But along the way, it's our goal. It's very similar to what you're saying is we need that relationship. I mean, it's part of why we got to have this conversation today. Oh, I met you in our client advisory board and, um, because you want to understand the individuals that make the organization run that consume the tech, because with that as an understanding, you know, there's so much more to it than just, hey, can you give us this much compute and this much storage and this much network and support it 24-7 to actually make a transformational business just uh, impact inside of inside of Aon? Yeah, and I think it, it really does look, I mean, part of, part of back to sort of maybe going back to reflecting on being a pure technologist and a, going down a management path. Yeah. I want to understand the business. I, I want to invest my time and, and with the right folks who can educate me and understand me. I didn't grow up in this industry. Yeah. And I, and every day I learned something new. And, and even six years later, I learned something. And, and, but more I understand, it better informs me to come up with the right solutioning or right thought process or the right ideas. And to that extent, if I want to test some of the thinking, I know who to go to because now they've sort of, they, they, I've been investing in their sort of success and hopefully they're doing the same for me. And, and, and that's, that goes both ways. Well, and a lot of those folks are looking for you and your team, knowing that you, when I say you, most of the time that means you and the many, many people who report to you, you know, are looking for innovation. They're looking for what's new, what new tech can we apply to these old problems or new problems? How do you stay current? How do you, how do you foster a culture of creativity and, and innovation inside of your organization? Yeah, look, I think, so Aon as an organization, one of the things that I've learned is we are very innovative in this, when we think about sort of the solving problems for our customers. In that aspect, in our industry, we are extremely innovative. We disrupt the industry many times over, and there are a lot of many better people who can tell you all of these examples that we do these things. But we 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 are as an organization quite innovative, and 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 we have lots lots of smart people who come up with these ideas. Part of my job really is to sort of connect the the innovations and the business problems and the business demand to a technical solution. Within my organization, from an innovation point of view, first of all, innovation isn't limited. There, it's not a role uh, for somebody as a head of chief of innovation and such. We can all innovate. It doesn't matter where you sit in the organization. There are lots lots of smart people who who have ideas. And frankly, a lot of the times what we find is that the, the junior, the, perhaps one of the more junior person in the organization has the best idea because they are dealing with the pain. And, and they're dealing with some of the challenges and they see it from a lens that, that I may not see it. And, and they can come up with innovative solutions. So we encourage that. Uh, a more recent example, frankly, we did a bit of it. Uh, we are doing it in the middle of a formal innovation Olympics uh, that we are sort of running a bit of a fun thing across the entire business services organization. It's not just limited to technology. Uh, and, and we have over 300 ideas that, that, that have come along. We, the, 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 uh, we've assigned coaches to these teams and, and there's some of the stuff is fantastic, right? And we're going to take these ideas and go run with it. And, 
go solve for this, right? So there's a certain things that are formally done. As, as I said, Innovation Olympics, we have sponsorship, we're doing sort of spending time and effort into making that happen. And, other, and there's a lot of innovation that happens day to day. And the last one I would say, Jeff, is that there's a lot of innovation happening in the industry. So part of sort of our challenge and, and that, that mine and the rest of the organization is how do you stay current with what's happening? Because we don't, we can't put our blinders on and say, this is what's happening at Aon and that's all what we can do. But there's a lot happening outside of our, our environment. And so sort of talking to our partners, talking to our suppliers, talk, uh, talking to our peers, uh, I mean, interaction with, with our uh, 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 the Rackspace cab members, uh, there's a learning opportunity for, for, uh, for me uh, to sort of get to know what's happening elsewhere, and then we can. What can I bring back to it? And so, so there's, there's. I've said a lot in that, but it's it, there's, uh, uh, there. It's a multi-dimensional thing that we try to do. And and maybe sorry, maybe two more comments. And I was uh, is really around. Given the global nature of our organization, I mentioned diversity of thought. We get the cultural diversity just because who we are. Yes. We have teams, we have individuals sitting in all parts of the world, and they see things differently than we, we may see in uh, where I sit. Right. And, and so sort of fostering that is a ch- sometimes challenge. Uh, uh, in some cultures, it's people don't necessarily are, are perhaps a little bit shy, and, and it's culturally not appropriate trying to extract that and open, creating an open environment, an open dialogue. We encourage people to do that and, and, and sort of honestly demonstrate some examples of how we do it and, and encourage others to sort of pile on and, and, and contribute as well. That's really, you know, you guys have such a, again, we, from the beginning of the conversation, you have a lot of the same problems and opportunities that most companies have. Your scale is the defining factor that makes what you do very, very unique. And kind of to that end, you know, when, when we started our careers in tech back in the 90s, early 90s, you know, the availability of tech, it, it wasn't the commodity that we know it today. I mean, time on a mainframe, time on a Solaris 6, you know, uh, box came at a premium. And uh, it, it wasn't for the faint of heart to get time on the, to, to run a process, to, to run an application or do a thing. But tech is effectively, for all intents and purposes, infinite today. Whatever you can imagine there's a tech to make that, there's a bit of, of tech and cloud to make that happen. Whether it's, it could be considered single tenancy or private cloud uh, environment uh, to run it on, or, you know, any of the hyperscalers and what exists there. So one thing that I've seen is, oh, there can be an amazing amount of inertia that comes from the fact that you can do anything. What do you actually do? So maybe, maybe how do you guys focus how do you choose what tech to, to actually pay attention to or to apply to a problem? Yeah, look, so, so the tech debt as a whole is a problem, right? I mean, it does come down to sort of money and time and all of those types of things, right? And, and the way we sort of think about it is we divide some things up and it's not never this binary, but really sort of think about what's strategic, what's tactical, and what's everything else. <laughs> and if you really think about sort of the investment portfolio, Obviously, you want to put the largest amount of investment in strategic, yeah, and then then sort of the lead, second amount in the tactical, and then obviously the least amount in the other. But but given sort of the regulatory framework, the health and hygiene and such, we actually have to maintain the legacy until and when we can actually duplicate and and, and eliminate it from our environment. So 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 it is a frankly a bit of a, 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 a 
art rather than a science as to determine what what do you do in any given year because it's a finite amount of time, it's a finite amount of funding available to do what you need to do. Having said that, I mean, you mentioned some of the hyperscale uh, providers and, and, and such and the private cloud. Look, I mean, I think some of these things have become commodity and they've become a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than it had been in the past. Like, I mean, trying to get time on mainframe or time to go out and buy a server, a Solaris machine in, 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 in uh, 20 years ago, you needed big pockets, right? That, and, was, and, and a, you, that was a big check to write. Yeah, exactly. And, and now that's no longer the need because I can sort of spin up a machine when I need it and I can use it and I can turn it off and I'm done and I pay the bill and it's not, it's it, 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 at times it may be less than a, a cup of coffee uh, for me to go run an experiment and such. I mean, that's become available and to, to that extent, uh, perhaps some of the limits or there is no limit anymore to a certain extent to be able to do some of the innovation and some of the test and learn and those kind of capabilities. And, and it, it does require a bit of a mindset shift uh, uh, in the organization, for one. And secondly, also with our financial teams as to how we think about these constructs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's amazing when you're in an industry like yours that has such regulatory control. Um, you know, that brings in the whole compliance aspect as well to ensure that what you're doing stays inside of the guardrails that, that governments and regulators have placed for you. Yeah, no, it, it, absolutely, right. And, and look, I mean, the, the, clearly, that's that's always top of mind. This is, I mean, we don't we don't do anything unless it's secure, unless it's compliant, and and and, and, and last thing we want to do is any sort of regulatory issues that to deal with. And, and obviously, as I mentioned, the industry as a whole is generally heavily regulated, and there there are different regulations depending on which geography, right? and they're not all the same either. So, so uh, the the compliance. And the privacy nature of what we do is is paramount, and it's t- it's always top of mind in our design, what we do, etc. But but having said that, once again, it's it's all manageable with that as long as you're designing with those parameters in mind, right? And once you have solved that, then you can move at speed. Yeah, right. It, it, I mean, the the we've heard internally and externally, oh well. You can't move that fast because we are heavily regulated. That's not quite true, right? I mean, you can move pretty quick. You just have to solve for it. And once you understand it, once you solve for it, then you can move within those uh, uh, parameters relatively quick. Well, and people look at parameters, especially when you think regulatory and financial services type firms uh, and businesses as restrictive. And I think your point is, is solid in saying that, well, we can't move fast or some people think you can't move fast because you're in this type of an industry. I mean, there's example after example of understanding that when you know and understand the rules, it's better than not having rules at all and anything goes because then you get stuck in that mode of uh, because I can do anything, I do nothing. I mean, go back to the psychological study they did years ago with kids on a playground. You know, the, the playground that had a fence around it had kids active and engaged. The playground with no fence, well, they all huddled together and sat on a bench and didn't know what to do because they could do anything and go anywhere. No, that's, look, that's a good analogy, and, 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 and I think that's 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 very true. And, and at least you know what the rules of the game are. Yeah. And then you can work within those constraints. And once again, I mean, a, a rule sounds harsher than it is because they're not really that rules. They're guidelines, they're requirements, they're, they're sort of... And, and they're all there for a good reason, right? I mean, it's not a matter of, of being critical of it. There's, 
uh, we all get frustrated at times. It may seem a bit much, but at the same time, they're all there for a good reason for protection of the client, protection of the data, protection of, uh, and, 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 and to a certain extent, protecting ourselves from uh, ourselves, right? So, right, right. so to that extent, it, it, these are all there for most of the time, they're there for good reasons. Rajiv, super interesting. I'm so grateful you were able to be on the program today, but I, I do have one last question. And I never prep my guest for this question because it, it's more of a, what's, what's the first thing you're going to say? And, that, and it's an easy one. Um, but what tech are you most excited about that maybe you haven't had a chance to implement yet, or you don't even know how you're going to implement it, but you think the possibilities really could be amazing? Oh, it's, it, it, there's there's a couple will come to mind now, so I won't answer one. I'll give you two. Right? Okay. I think we're in the early phases of artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. machine learning. Yeah. We've implemented some of it. I think we're sort of scratching the surface on the capabilities of what this technology is going to be able to do and mature. And 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 and, and so that's one. The other one, I would say, is blockchain. And I'm sure it sounds mm-hmm. probably cliche at this point in time. I fundamentally believe that, I mean, there's there's probably some time before we get some re, uh, uh, massive use cases, but there's an, I believe there's an opportunity that can disrupt in a variety of different areas when you think about what blockchain can do and what sort of the fundamentals of what that looks like. Right? And, yeah. and I think that there are matter of time and there's an, enough push across the industry or across different players and, and some ease of usage with, through uh, 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 some of the, the providers to try to be able to get on board with it, right? Because there's a bit of this, hey, I want to do this. It sounds interesting, but I'm not exactly sure where to start. I'm maybe afraid to try it. Yeah. And I think as that becomes a little bit uh, easier to consume, I find, I do believe that, that, that that's another uh, uh, technology. I think it's going to disrupt a variety of different industries and then it can be very exciting. I think you're 100% uh, on both of those. And AI is one. You, we see a lot more use cases about that now. But blockchain, um, in fact, I'm, I'm somewhat guilty uh, in the past year of even throwing some rocks at it because it seems like it was a tech wandering around, you know, a, a tech of an answer wandering around looking for a problem. But I tell you, you're spot on when you say when it finds the exact right problem, it's going to be game changing in what it can do. I 100% believe that. Yeah, like I me, mean, I think the blockchain one it, to me is, as you said, it's it's as a technologist, we all get excited about it, and to a certain extent, we're looking for a problem that we can solve with it. But I, I think it's a matter of time that where that clicks, and once it clicks once twice, there's going to be all these sort of tendential cases that come along that that will that will jump onto the same similar opportunity. Everyone's finally going to go, oh, I get it now. Oh, look at these 10 things we could go do. Look at these 100 things we could go do. And then the stuff that builds on that. Well, great answers. I loved it. Rajiv, thank you so much for (laughs) taking time uh, to visit with me today. Great conversation. And uh, love to have you back at some point. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Thank you, Rajiv, for taking the time. What an interesting set of problems and what a fascinating career you've had. Well, folks, we are on the other side of the Solve Conference. I hope you had the opportunity to attend. If not, you know, keep your eye over on rackspace.com solve. We'll be slicing up a lot of that content and making it available over there for you. 
Now, if you are enjoying these podcasts, of course, please subscribe and leave us a a five-star review if you like them. Share them with a friend. And if you like these sorts of conversations and maybe even in some shorter form, well, I'd encourage you to pay attention to LinkedIn on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays of most weeks. We're going live over there with some really interesting guests and conversation, most of the time happening around 8.30 Central Time, sometimes around noon Central. But we post a schedule most weeks on when we're going to be live. Would love to have you, um, of course, see those. But since it's live, you can participate in the conversation, making it incredibly dynamic. All right. And as always, thank you to Dell for being a sponsor of everything that we're doing over here at the Rackspace Solve program. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with another program here at Clown Talk.